We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, one more time on the importance of a cultural roadmap, a bird's eye view, that defines reality for us accurately. The loss of such of a map, of such a worldview, results in the very loss of what it even means to be a human being. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Okay, I'm wrapping up the week by staying on topic. I'm going back to what I've talked about at least in the previous two, if not three, shows, and that is the importance of having a moral map, a set of common ideas that accurately describe who we are as a people, as a culture, as a country, as individuals, as human beings. And I'm arguing that because we've lost our way, lost our map, we no longer have a common understanding of those things that should be held in common. We no longer have that aerial view, that bird's eye view, that accurate map that tells us where we've been, where we're going, and who we are in the process. We no longer have that, and therefore we're listing at sea. And the result is shipwreck. The result is not more human freedom, but greater bondage. Not liberty, but zillions of laws that are going to be imposed upon us and already are from those few that think they are themselves God. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to continue down this path, okay? This, this, this direction is intentional because I think it's very important because one of the key things we've lost is the very definition of what it even means to be a human being. This is, this is critical. If, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you've been, if you can't define what it means to be a male or a female, a boy or a girl, if, if you're compromising the innocence of children because you don't even know what children are any longer, if you're going to blame everything in the world on male toxicity while you dumb down the definition of what it even means to be a male, this is a very confused place for us to be. It's as if we're standing in the middle of the woods. We've lost our compass. We don't have a map. We know that there's danger out there somewhere. Something in the back of our mind tells us that there was a time when they taught us that if you go too far through this woods, there's a cliff, and you'll fall to your death if you don't pay attention. We, we know that. We instinctively know that there's, there's, stuff in, there's stuff out there, over the horizon, through the trees, that could hurt us, but we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And... What happens is when people get scared and confused, they start lashing out. They start fighting with one another rather than fighting and working together. So let's take a break, and when I get back, we're going to continue to go down 
this path a little bit further, and I'm going to remind you what I believe and what history has told us is the solution to this mess. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. In yesterday's show, I reminded you of several of the just crazy stories where you know people are being canceled and censored just for suggesting that children shouldn't be used as pawns in our grisly game of sexual experimentation. Um, who could disagree with that? Leave the children alone. As uh, Country Western star's wife recently said, was it Aldine? I think that was who it was. His wife said, hey, just leave the kids alone. Leave the children alone. And she was castigated for that canceled, censored, she's verboten, and even he is. Because uh, she dared to defend the children? Um, the obvious arrogance of these cultural elite, elites pushing these nihilistic values on the American people, it, it's very disturbing, to say the least, right? And in case you missed it, okay, there's something else here I want you to see. Today's ruling class has a palpable disregard for people and what it means to be a human being. I think that's the moral to the story here. They are misogynists who deny that a woman is real, and they're proud of it. They're misandrists who deny that men should even exist because they're toxic. Okay, misogyny, hatred for women, misandry, hatred for men. These cultural elites... The ruling class above us right now appear to hate both men and women. Now, I don't know how you divide the human race any differently. So if you hate both men and women, you hate humanity. So if you just take a step back and look at the proverbial aerial view of all of these colliding issues, look at the map, you can see that women and girls are not winning. They're losing their privacy, losing their dignity, and even losing their identity. And when it comes to men and boys, how can you possibly not see the psychological and physical losses being suffered by boys who are being told as young as seven or even younger now that they're not even males, but they're females who are enslaved in, in the wrong body. Well, what they're enslaved to is a future of puberty-blocking hormones as well as chemical or even surgical castration. And we're saying that that's a good thing. And when a professor of psychiatry, a medical doctor, with training in psychiatry and psychology, actually questions this lunacy, he's fired. The, how can you argue with a straight face that you believe in the dignity of children while at the same time you applaud this nonsense? And you actually applaud as an 11-year-old boy is paraded on stage in national news in drag being applauded by a bunch of adults. And You've seen this. This is happening all over the place. And how can you tell me that you respect the value of a man when you... When your default position on everything that's wrong with the world and all of human history is summed up in two wor words, male toxicity. And you, you, you claim that you believe in the dignity of a human being when you're killing more black babies in New York City each year by aborting them than you celebrate the black babies that are actually born and enjoying life? And that's a fact. That's a statistical fact. 
we need to stop fixating, like a child, on our individual political and emotional trees. And we need to grow up, grow up and act like adults and look at the entire forest. Stop defining ourselves by our feelings and look at the facts. Stop looking in the mirror with self-infatuation and look out the window and recognize there's a bigger world around us that isn't all revolving around us. I mean, if our schools support women, then why do they teach our youngest girls that women are little more than leprechauns and unicorns, make-believe social constructs rather than biological facts? And if our politicians believe in women's rights, then why do they refuse to protect a woman's most basic rights? And if our progressives believe it's wrong for a man to ever force himself on a woman, then how is it ever right for these smarter-than-thou folks to force a real woman to wax a man's genitals? That story that I told you yesterday about that spa in Canada. I mean, the real woman is the one being demonized and castigated for refusing to give a Brazilian wax to a man because he says he's a woman. And, and, and here's, here's another question. If you're so worried about the future of humanity because of global warming, then why do you support politicians who are telling you that human beings should be reduced by as much as 90% in order to save the planet from global warming? <laughs> okay, did you get my question there? The future of humanity is in jeopardy because of climate change and global warming. But then you give the solution over and the authority over to these politicians and elites who are actually telling you that they think that there's a population problem. And the real number that we should have is 90% less than what we have now. Now, how are you going to solve that problem? How are you going to get rid of 90% of the problem if it's human beings? And how is that a humane solution, a human-centered solution. It's not. So I'm giving you evidence that we've dumbed down the definition of what it even means to be human. I hope you see the disconnect here. As rational beings, we're smarter than this, but our national brain trust is brain dead. We will never be people of common sense if we persist in doubling down on this nonsense. If corporate executives truly believe in the dignity of women, then they should stop promoting the cultural appropriation by men of a status and identity that they, the men, have no right to assume. If feminists really believe in equal rights for the female, then they should stop pretending a female is a fantasy and a fabrication rather than a biological fact. If our universities really believe in gender inclusion, then why would they exclude a professor for defending the objective integrity of the female gender? I could go on and on with these rhetorical questions that have obvious answers. What could possibly be more degrading to a female employee than to have her employer publicly support the blackfacing of women in a manner that is just as cartoonish and grotesque and insulting as it was when white people dressed up in literal blackface to mimic and mock people of color. I mean, that's what's happening in this drag queen nonsense. And ConocoPhillips and Phillips 66 and Safari Smiles Dentistry, as well as State Farm Insurance and others here in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, supported this nonsense just this last weekend. 
C.S. Lewis talked about this in The Abolition of Man. He warned us that a time was coming when we would become a characterless culture of what he called men without chests, people without character. But even his prophetic foresight, even C.S. Lewis and his brilliance, I would argue he fell short. Because even he didn't foresee the next domino to fall, or at least he didn't write about it, to my knowledge. And that would be, we wouldn't be a culture just of men without chests. We'd be a culture of women without breasts, so proud that we've abolished man that we now proudly celebrate the abolition of women. If, if you hear me saying anything today, it's this. We need to read a little bit, and we need to reflect on the wisdom of the ages rather than simply react. We need to slow down, step back, respect each other, and have a civil, informed conversation. And if we did, respecting the wisdom of the ages and not throwing out everything that is more than five minutes old, actually recognize the quadrilateral of history, reason, experience, and revelation. That history, the old ideas that have endured the test of time, need to be attended to as much, if not more so, than the new ideas. Those ideas have been around a while because they've worked. They taught us something. They've endured over time. History, otherwise known as tradition, respect it. And reason, rationality, logic, it's not the product of white privilege. There are laws of common sense, sense that's common, otherwise known as Socratic logic. Uh, a system of thinking that has been honored for well over 2,000 years for a reason. Honoring the wisdom of those that preceded us might be a place to start. That's part of the solution. But that's not the only thing. Y yes, tradition and history have taught us something. We shouldn't discard it. We shouldn't be chronological snobs and act like everything that we came up with five seconds ago supersedes and supplants anything that preceded it. No, that's just stupid. That's chronological snobbery. That's thinking that anything that's old is bad and everything that's new that started in our own small little brains and heads is the best thinking of the centuries. No, we need to recognize the lessons of history. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. But that's not the ultimate source of authority and truth. And reason, rationality, is a good thing. We've got brains. We should use them. We should understand that fallacies are fallacies for a reason. They've been identified because they lead us down paths that are lies rather than toward the acquisition of truth. Yes, reason and history are important. And experience is also important. The Dr. Phil question, you've heard me talk about this. As I've shared with you, the map of the quadrilateral. The, the importance of history and reason and experience. The Dr. Phil question, experience, how's it working for you? If your experience tells you that this always leads to negative consequences, then your experience should be attended to. I've said over and over again, the sexual debate today, sexual politics, can easily be refuted, even if you're an atheist, by just asking the basic question, how's it working for you? Are you getting sick? 
or are you staying healthy when you engage in that idea in, in that idea when you take sexual nihilism to its full extreme is your body healthier as the result well the answer is clearly no just look at the data nearly a quarter of the female population of millennial age in the United States is carrying some form of an STD that will result in sterilization, will result in infertility, is resulting in negative things for those women. So how is it pro-woman to ignore the reality that you've got one out of four women that are getting sick because of their sexual liberty? Maybe our experience the how is it working for you question should be attended to. But those three things, valuable though they are, history, reason, and experience are not the end of it. There is revelation, self-evident truths. Uh, there is a truth that's bigger than history, bigger than reason, and bigger than just your existential reality, your experience. And that truth trumps all of those things. Again, Guinness. Truth is true even if no one believes it, and falsehood is false even if everyone believes it. Truth is true, and that's just the end of it. In other words, there is a North Star. There is a compass. There is a map, and it doesn't change just because you want it to. Maybe, just maybe, we could avoid the consequences of all of this lunacy if we just step back and attended to a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. Truth. Truth as the definer of everything, especially of what it even means to be a human being. You know, when I was a university president, I made my entire career uh, respecting the ivory tower, believing in it, believing in education, the liberal arts, the study of the ideas of freedom, the ideas that have proven throughout the course of history to liberate us. Uh, I, this, is, this is who I was. But Mike Rowe, uh, America's blue-collar voice, if you will, he, he rightfully has said that the current educational model is broken. He said this recently. He said, we're just disconnected. We're, we are rewarding behavior we should be discouraging. We're lending money we don't have to kids who are never going to get a, a paying job. They're never going to make back the money that they've borrowed. Uh, we're training them for jobs that don't even exist anymore. And he says, that's just nuts. Now, I agree with him, but I think he's focused rather myopically here on just the financial consequences of education as opposed to the moral consequences. So I, I, I agree, we are disconnected, and we are rewarding behavior that we should be discouraging. But it's not just about borrowing money for getting a degree in gender studies and then blaming everyone else when you can't get a job to pay back that exorbitant loan that you took out for that stupid major. No, that's not, it's not just economic. It's, it's a moral, it's a moral downfall, likewise, in education. In other words, I would argue that a woke education is a joke education. And yeah, yeah, I agree with Mike Rowe. That is just nuts. We're bankrupting the next generation with 
student loans, and now we're bankrupting an entire nation because Joe Biden has forgiven those loans, but they have to be paid for. You can't, you can't just ignore the fact that there, there are people that need to be paid back for loaning these dollars in the first place. And how are you going to pay them back? You're going to print more money, monopoly money, and then you're going to basically degrade the currency, and it's all a vicious circle into financial collapse. That's all true. I agree with that. But we're also pumping out kids with degrees that are destructive of heart, mind, body, and soul. We're producing graduates who can't get a job, but we're also producing graduates who can't even tell you that a female is a fact. And that's not only nuts, to quote micro, but it's a sign of people who are lost in a forest without a map. They don't have any idea what it means to be a human being. I was reading recently about the question of what is the greatest threat to our country's future. Is it communism? Is it uh, statism? Is it Black Lives Matter? Is it critical race theory? Is it socialism? Is it the degrading of our currency? All those things are very negative, no question. But I would argue that the greatest threat to our future is the loss of what it means to be a human being. We don't know any longer. And that is just nuts. And how in the world can we go anywhere as a civilization if we don't even understand that civilizations presuppose that human beings at least understand what it means to be human. Cows and horses and chickens and ducks don't think about civilizations. That's not in their DNA. They don't care. They, they don't understand. They don't care. They don't debate it. They don't argue about it. Again, this is the difference between the animal, the imago dog, and the human being, the imago day. You know, a few years ago, after I wrote Not a Daycare, my, uh, the book that I've written that sold the best, it actually was a national bestseller for a period of time on Amazon.com, I received a phone call from the publisher. Now, my publisher is Salem um, slash Regnery. Salem owns Regnery. And if you know anything about the conservative world, you know that Salem and Regnery are conservative organizations. In fact, the conservative book club often features publications out of both, Salem or Regnery. So I really enjoy my relationship with them, and I'm telling the story at risk of offending them, and I'm not suggesting that I've parted ways with them, but I was disappointed with the decision that they made. I'm going to tell you about it in concluding this show. All right, so I wrote Not a Daycare, which was my challenge to all of this juvenile, perpetual adolescence that's taking place in cancel culture, the Snowflake Rebellion, where students think that if um, I've said something that they don't like, that I'm the problem, they're not, and that I should be canceled, and they shouldn't be confronted with any ideas that make them feel uncomfortable. And I said that that's just lunacy. That's not, that's not good education. That's terrible. That's terrible education just to make you feel good all the time rather than challenging you, making you feel a little uncomfortable at times because your ideas may be immature and bad and 
there are some better ideas that you should consider as a corrective to that. Correct course. Here's a better map than the one you're using. If you want to get somewhere in life, you might want to stop fixating on the mirror and actually look at a map, look out the window, look at the world as it really exists as opposed to your little confined cubicle of selfishness. That was my point in not a daycare. I said, my land, it's a university, not a daycare. Grow up. Well, Grow Up was my second book. It, it sprung from, as a natural, uh, a, a natural next step in the conversation. Okay, Not a Daycare was me whining about the cancel culture and the craziness of what's going on in millennials and Gen Zers' way of thinking, and that it's going to come home to roost. If this actually is the nature of what we're teaching in our colleges and universities, we're in trouble as a country. And then Grow Up was a presentation of a roadmap. Here are, here are some ways to be thinking and behaving and believing that will actually take you in a positive direction rather than in this juvenile, perpetual adolescent pout. Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. I told the story of how C.S. Lewis tells us in the Chronicles of Narnia that the great lion Aslan is not safe, but he's good. That safety in life isn't, this, isn't the summum bonum, the ultimate good the ultimate value, that safety isn't it, that goodness is, goodness as defined by God, as Aslan, the, the Christ figure in the Chronicles of Narnia. The great lion isn't safe. No, he's not safe, but he's good, and there's a huge difference. Well, the great lion of the ivory tower isn't safe, but it's good. The great lion of the church should not be safe, but it should be good. The great lion of our constitution isn't safe, but it's good. The great lion of life isn't safe, but it should be good. This is the truth that comes to us through Christ. Now, the problem with the story that I'm sharing with you in the last two minutes of the show with Regnery is, and Salem is that when they came to me after Not a Daycare and wanted me to write another book, I said, sure. And the proposal I gave them was not grow up. The proposal I gave them was Omago Day, Omago Dog. They said, well, explain that. I said, we're losing the definition of humanity. We don't even know what it means to be a human being any longer. The Bible tells us that we're made in the image of God, that the human being is the Omago Dei, the image of God. We're not the image of animals. We're not the Omago dog. We shouldn't be dumbed down to nothing but our desires. Our identity is more than our inclinations. We aren't defined by our gut or our libido. The LGBTQIA narrative is a broken narrative that insults the very definition of the Omago Dei. And you know what? Regnery and Salem wouldn't publish that book. They were too nervous. That's a problem, people. I, I was offering to give a map that focused on who we are as human beings, confronting the lunacy of our times, that a woke education is a joke education, and that if we can't even decide or define or describe a woman accurately or a man accurately, if we've digressed to the misandry and misogyny of our times. And if we're afraid to confront it, we are lost. And even the conservative book club publishers, they were too nervous. They were too ner nervous. They wouldn't go there. So my next book was Grow Up as opposed to Imago Dei, Imago Dog. Now I want you to think about that as we conclude this show. I mean, we've got to have a map. And if we're embarrassed to present it to our culture because, well, it's just too uncomfortable for us to 
point out that particular pitfall and that particular cliff that we're falling over. Well, we're just not going to do it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.